0: Hello, and welcome to the second episode of America's Worst Enemy, Our Divided Society. It's a pilot's guide of tools and techniques for safe landings. Let me start with another question. Is this a political podcast? Well, yes, of course it is. But perhaps a better question is, is this just a political podcast? The response from the first episode shouldn't have surprised me. The feedback which was mostly from family and friends, reminded me of my Bible study group. I've been the the member of the same men's Presbyterian Bible study group for almost 25 years now. I love those guys, and they have certainly helped me in my faith walk, but sometimes they hurt my feelings. Before we start reading scriptures, we go around the room and ask for everybody's prayer concerns. When they get to me, I usually start talking about my wife or our new granddaughter but then they often stop me in mid-sentence and ask, how's Teddy? Yes, the same 150 pound Newfoundland that needed a dog walk at the end of episode one has occasionally attended our men's Bible study. Well, thank you for your prayers. Teddy is actually recovering well from recent ACL surgery on his right rear leg, which if you can visualize this, means that I have to put an extra large harness on him and lift up his back end for the next six weeks every time he wants to move around the house or go outside to do his business. In retirement, between gladly babysitting my our new granddaughter and now Teddy, I'm relearning some caregiving skills that I probably did not fully appreciate when our two kids were young. Enough about Sir Theodore. Back to the political podcast. It's the end of 2023, and most periodicals have had end-of-the-year review articles. In the Wall Street Journal, I read an article titled The Trump Revolution Amongst U.S. Evangelicals, and the subtitle read, As Evangelicalism is becoming a bottom-up religion, congregations are pressing their pastors to offer more hard-edged political messages from the pulpit. Hmm, okay. And The Economist magazine had an even more direct title when it asked, did God choose Trump? I'm not really surprised by these articles. I live here in North Texas. It's the home of the Tea Party, and pretty much every Protestant church I know is dividing itself between becoming a welcoming liberal congregation, and all of us churchgoers know what that means, or it's becoming a more conservative evangelical con- congregation, and we know what that means too. And also, not surprisingly, these same congregations have purposely divided themselves into polarizing voting blocks. Perhaps a comment by former President George W. Bush is applicable here. When he, fir- he first personally witnessed this phenomenon, he said, that's some weird shit. <laughs> I think 43 nailed it. Something weird is going on and I don't think it's only infected North Texas. In a la- later episode, I will label this weirdness as trench warfare dementia. As I previously stated, We need a hard scrub to find clarity and to fully understand what's going on around us. And now I must warn you, there's not going to be any sacred cows in this search and scrub operation. Yes, the premise of this podcast is our divided society is dangerous, but my observations and comments will not exclusively use a political lens or a religious lens or a capitalistic lens. Nope, as weird as it might sound, The lens I will use is the internal group dynamics of problem solving under stressful situations. Professor Janus in his book, Groupthink, called this psychology. I call it a head game. This podcast has two tasks. Task number one, deconstruct how we became a divided society so we can remove the mental chains that have imprisoned many of our minds, making some of us intensely loyal, ideological, zombies. Task number two, I will offer timeless mental, verbal, or behavioral changes that some of us, or any of us, or all of us could use to positively influence our collective future. One of the critiques of my first episode was that I, I did not state a specific purpose. The purpose of this podcast series rests on one simple idea. I am trying to break down the mental chains that bind many of us exclusively into two distinct, combative, warring echo chambers. Additionally, I'm hoping to remind the millions of good, open-minded, moderate liberals and conservative Americans who do possess critical thinking skills, that to properly take care of our families and our country will always require that we live in a civilized society that is willing and able to routinely come together to work for the greater good. Now, just to be clear, I didn't say we had to like each other or or need to become best friends, but a majority of us moderates from both echo chambers, and both tribes, will have to unite in a civilized dialogue so we can focus forward again and work towards safely navigating the several daunting challenges facing America and our allies. I believe we can make the necessary course corrections to make safe landings for our families and countries. I believe we can, and I believe we must. To join this timeless universal thought process, human thought process, all it requires is common sense, common decency, and an intense desire to seek reality. In the first episode, I offered three dynamic group tools to make these needed course corrections. The first was withholding enthusiasm, the second was self-policing, and the third was playing as a team. I would now like to briefly explain each one of these tools. Just to be transparent, I learned these tools primarily, primarily from three arenas, one, working as a union member in the airline industry, two, making decisions in the cockpit, and the third, of course, is raising a family with my wife of 43 years. I had a very fortunate and interesting aviation career. I experienced the gamut of relations between unions and managements. Good, bad, miserable, and outstanding. My meaningful relationships with thousands of wonderful crew members and and support personnel produced an estimated 20,000 safe landings carrying 2 million passengers over my 40-plus years of flying airplanes for the United States Air Force and a major U.S. carrier. I have also critically observed or been personally involved in hundreds of union management boats, squabbles, and threatening challenges. Now back to the three dynamic group tools for making safe landings. The first one is withholding enthusiasm. It's a union term. If you go to work with a poor demeanor, basically follow most of the rules, but you don't put a lot of energy behind it. You're not purposely causing trouble, but you are withholding enthusiasm. Another example of this that we've all experienced is when you're sitting around with a group of your like-minded friends and somebody makes a bold or boastful statement and everybody quickly piles on agreeing with him. For some reason, the statement does not mentally sit well with you and you choose to sit there quietly. You feel a bit awkward. Others may or may not notice, but your quiet response has not added momentum to the troubling statements. statement. You are in the first stages of withholding enthusiasm. Withholding enthusiasm is aimed at breaking mental chains. Its first stages are designed to break the mental chains in our own heads, and the second stage is attempting to break the mental chains of friends and family that are also Lockdown and the same echo chambers. The second group tool is self policing and it is designed to change behavior. And again, it's only designed to impact those of us in our same echo chambers. The reason behind this tool is a simple op- observation that many of us see every day. Today, is there really anything? that someone from my wife's tribe can say to anyone in my legacy tribe, or vice versa, that will have any impact on their thought process, attitude, or actions? (laughs) Absolutely not. America is a badly divided society. In fact, it's one of the few things we can all agree upon. Mentally, we are in lockdown, living our lives in two completely distinct echo chambers fueled by a distinct set of media outlets, pundits, and nonprofit organizations. And remarkably, each tribe has also nurtured and financed its own set of scientists and self-proclaimed experts that are more than willing to instantly refute any statement emanating from the demonic political agenda of the other side. Hell, today in America, The breaking news from one tribe is often, within minutes, instantly repackaged to the other side as fake news. Consequently, there can be little constructive dialogue between the two isolated groups of American citizens. Oh yeah, we are definitely playing a dangerous game of divide and conquer with ourselves. And I routinely saw this same phenomenon in the airline industry. Believe me, when aviation contract negotiations go on for years, there's nothing the union or management can say to the other to impact the other side's mental state. In my industry, after years of fighting, it doesn't matter whether one side hurls the truth, facts, reality, insults, or made up bullshit, the other side will simply not listen. If you need a biblical reference, you might say, God has hardened everyone's heart. (laughs) Let me remind you, the self-policing tool I'm referring to in this podcast is when someone self-polices their own tribe. And normally, that's not a very comfortable thing to do. Here's another example from my aviation background that I think is kind of telling (laughs) and humorous. During all union contract negotiations, the union presents its own financial analysis, showing how easily the company can absorb their requested pay raises. We had one heated pilot negotiation, contract negotiation at our airline, toward the end of my career, which lasted for several years. I completely supported the pilots. Management was clearly stalling and being jackasses. But when I was watching a union presentation toward the end of the fiasco, I quickly realized their seemingly sophisticated financial analysis, which had the room of angry pilots cheering wildly, was using faulty financial logic and badly manipulating the data to tell their story. Being, (laughs) Being the odd duck I am, I publicly stood up at the union gathering and said so. As you can well imagine, this did not make me a popular pilot. Many pilots labeled me as a traitor, and several told me so directly to my face. It just so happens that I knew the pilot that had crafted the financial analysis for the union. We, we were not good close friends, but I always respected him as a smart guy, and so several months after my public outburst was somewhat forgotten, I tracked him down and we had a chat. He openly admitted that he manipulated the data, but guess where he learned these clever financial techniques? From watching management. He said he had been carefully listening to the company's earnings calls to investors and watching management give financial briefings. (laughs) He credited every deceptive technique of manipulating financial data to the fact that he had learned them all from watching management make presentations to investors. <laughs> now think about it. Management uses manipulated financial logic to impress and g- generate support from investors. And then the union uses the same tactics to impress and rile up their own membership. Yeah, sometime the mm-hmm. life just gets weird. I thought this whole dysfunctional episode was hilarious. Still do. The lesson learned here is pure tribalism. Thank you, Herb. When, the two groups of, when two groups of humans are caught in the mental vortex of perpetual verbal and hostile conflict, eventually each side learns exactly how to instantly respond to the other side with a pithy phrase that simultaneously, simultaneously, Riles up their base And demonizes the other side FYI I've been told Marriage counselors See the same spectacle In struggling marriages Sadly the the rapid firepower Of this, this, this spectacle Seems to have been Greatly amplified By all the communication outlets Formed since the birth Of the internet Which will be a topic Of another episode uh, uh, Another Illustration of this phenomenon is our do nothing shit show that is the US Congress. Yet here we are. American citizens are still cheering for each of our self righteous political parties, and we continue to send them lots of money. Yay, America! Now let's switch gears to the third dynamic tool, which is playing as teams. This is the promised land where groups of humans get things done and are able to consistently make safe landings. Unfortunately, there is no chance that any group can play as a team when they're horribly divided, which is what routinely happened in my industry. Here's another peculiar observation from my industry's past. Past. When a union contract vote narrowly passes by a 52% margin to 48% margin, the airline rarely moves forward most likely, everyone will remain internally distracted and actually start fighting harder with each other. I call these 5248 union votes democracy stop signs. On the other hand, when a union vote passed by a wide margin, then you did see energetic internal teams form and the airline did move forward safely again. I called these union votes that passed by a two out of three margin. Democracy democracy magic. Hmm, I'm not sure, but but weren't the both of our past 2016 and 2020 presidential elections popular votes fairly close to 52% to 48% margins? Funny how weird human tendencies may not exactly repeat themselves, but they sure do rhyme. I will tell many more of these stories later, and it's not all bad news. Remember, I did work for a great American company during the first part of my career, and it was a hell of a lot of fun to go to work. Again, thank you, Herb. Oh my goodness, for now, that's enough about the three dynamic group tools. Sorry if it seemed like I rambled on, but I did want to give everyone a glimpse of where this podcast series is headed. And I also wanted to let everyone realize that using any of these tools will require each of us to move out of our comfort zones. Now, as promised, I want to leave you with a specific tool that you can use this week. It's actually a statement that comes from the Withholding Enthusiasm Toolbox. Here's my end of the year statement for 2023. I think it's pathetic that 11 months before our presidential elections in America, that the, that the citizens' only choice appears to be two white guys who will both serve as 80-year-olds if elected. I think I'll repeat that statement. I think it's pathetic that 11 months before our presidential elections in America, that the citizens' only choices appear to be two white guys who will both serve as 80 year olds if elected. FYI, in a a later episode, I will argue that we should limit our general elections to 90 days. Now let's unpack this 2023 end of the year statement. It purposely has several components. First, I do think it's pathetic that almost one year from an election, it seems to be ordained that we are limited to only two choices. I was listening to a group of pundits on TV the other day discussing the chances of a third candidate getting involved in this race. The consensus was it was just too late for another candidate to get involved because they would not have the time to raise enough money to be a viable candidate. And then the conversation ominously turned to which two of the old white guys would be hurt most by a possible third candidate. This possibility visibly made each one of the TV pundits nervous. Have all our TV pundits become brain-dead? Have all our political parties also become brain-dead? Have we American citizens become brain-dead and brainwashed? Are you kidding me? Eleven months before a presidential election, the only two choices are already locked in? I I thought our democratic elections were designed to be a careful decision-making process when we citizens took the time to examine and discuss the pros and cons of a variety of candidates and their platforms? Again, perhaps I'm an odd duck, but I thought our democratic elections were supposed to give us citizens the opportunity to choose and reach for fresh new ideas. I guess not. Maybe the evangelical Christians are correct. God has ordained these two Occidentians must lead America again. Now, I'm not going to blame this on God. This entire fiasco is completely our own making. Remember my opening question in the first episode? Why is it we the people are cheering for our two political parties that are hell-bent? on fighting each other 24-7-365. Come on, America! Can't we see that we've boxed ourselves into a corner again? The the, the consequences of being a divided society have made us our worst enemies again! Okay, calm down, Brad. (laughs) Back to the withholding enthusiasm 2023 year-end statement. It is designed to first break the mental chains in our own heads, and then positively influence those around us. I am asking each of us just to think about this statement for a week or two until my next podcast. This will give us us the time to firmly embrace the statement or reject it. This time quietly thinking about this statement will also prepare us to handle the awkward pushback we will likely receive from family and friends if we later choose to say this statement out loud. Sometimes critical thinking is always not universally welcomed. Believe me, being called a traitor by friends and family, is not a lot of fun. Another key aspect of the statement is that initially it is only intended to be voiced inside our own echo chamber. Those are the only people we have the creds to positively influence their minds. The other beauty of the statement, however, is that if someone outside of our own tribe hears it, they will not perceive it as a direct attack. They might even sense that there's a possibility for common ground. Ultimately, we moderate conservatives and liberals embracing the statements are not taking political sides at this time. We are, however, fundamentally rejecting the way America is currently implementing our democratic process. For now, thank you for listening. In 2024, Teddy and I are wishing for moderate American liberals and conservatives to unite in civil dialogue and to reach for some fresh ideas while using some old school tools and techniques. Safe landings, everyone.